0: Hey there, I'm your host, T.G. Brandfault, and you are listening to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast, where we try to bring you actionable information and normalize cannabis through the stories of gontrepreneurs, activists, and industry stakeholders. Today, I'm joined by Darcy Bomford. He's the CEO of True Leaf Medicine International. He's from Canada who are readying to nationally legalize cannabis, a move that advocates and entrepreneurs here in the States are and will be watching rather closely. Uh, But before we get into all of that, uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show, Darcy. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Thanks, Tim. It's a pleasure being here. It's, it's great to have you. you Know a lot of stuff that that we're going to have to hash through, uh, but before we do, I want to get to know you, man. Uh, what's your background? How'd you end up in the cannabis space?
1: Uh, well, it's 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 interesting actually. I my background is primarily in the pet industry, which is a little different. But I, when I was a kid, I always loved pets, and I worked for a vet and decided early on, I think about 18 years old to be an entrepreneur and not a veterinarian, you know, cause I liked the sort of the business side of things better than the med- medical side. And I uh, started a little pet supplement company with, which morphed into a pet treat company. And I eventually built that into uh, a fairly large company not, you know, not huge, but we were doing somewhere around seven, eight million a year. And uh, we had a, a nice little plant in Canada. And we had two plants in the U.S. that primarily made, you know, natural baked dog biscuits. And uh, it was a great business. But Unfortunately, I lost that to investors. You know, sometimes high finance goes good. Sometimes it goes bad, right? And unfortunately, I ended up losing it to a group of investors who then took over the company and went their own way with it. And at that point in time, which was 2012, I had actually a a one-year non-compete. So there I was with, you know, 25 years in the pet industry, and I couldn't go back into it. And at the same time, uh, the federal government in Canada announced these new rules around uh, the production and sale of medicinal cannabis. And I thought, wow, you know, with my manufacturing background, and I knew how to, you know, make and market products, I knew about quality control. And, you know, in, in the back of my mind, I always thought that hemp and cannabis could be a A very unique ingredient for pets as well as people so you know I kind of paid attention to that but I I ended up being one of the very first applicants in Canada under the what was called the MMPR program at that time we were number 48 to apply and um, so we got going that way and ended up you know getting into the queue with a bunch of other companies and uh, unfortunately the The prime minister at the time was, was very anti-cannabis and, you know, there's so many applicants that the system kind of got carried away. So they, they slowed down the entire approval process and we ended up, uh, stalled. You know, we had no idea when we were going to get our license and, uh, we ended up at that point in time, about a year and a half in, going back into the pen industry. That's how we launched true leaf pet. So we launched hemp supplements for pets while we're waiting for our medicinal cannabis license to uh, come through. And and here we are today. We have two divisions, True Leaf Pet, which still markets uh, hemp-based supplements for pets using hemp seed. And then we have on the the medicinal side, our our license from Health Canada is now really going through the stages because of our new prime minister, and we're getting close
0: to approval. So... Do you guys, you, you said that you, you, you know, use hemp seed and stuff for, for the pet treats. Do you, uh, are you allowed to or do you use CBD?
1: No, you know, early on we realized that uh, any kind of the leaf material from hemp, we're going to run into regulatory issues on the pet side. And, but we also recognize that hemp seed by itself, you know, is, is really, you know, it, it, there's a ton of, value there and it has some active ingredients that still support some of these functions that are that are really popular in the pets like for example omega-3, 6, and 9 and some other ingredients in hemp seed oil help support the body's fighting inflammation right so they could they're being used for a, a hip and joint product and then we also have another formula that's for calming and another one for immune heart support so we use hemp seed as the base active ingredient but we also add other well-known active ingredients, you know, like turmeric and uh, some other um, hip and joint products and calming ingredients to support the hemp. And, you know, the big reason for that, Tim, is that we wanted to be a hundred percent legal in everything we do. And in the, the pet industry, there's a ton of regulation there. You know, it's not easy just, just launching just a regular product, even without hemp. So you have to comply with all these state rules. And sort of an overarching body that uh, that manages the pet industry called AFCO. So we we specifically developed our formulas with hemp seed so that we could find a legal path to market from the beginning.
0: And can, can you briefly tell me about the the hemp laws in Canada?
1: Yeah, you know, as, you've, as you know, in the States, there's a lot of CBD products that are being sold online and in sort of, I guess, hemp-friendly states or medicinal cannabis-friendly states. But, but in Canada, CBD is a controlled substance, right along with THC. It's unfortunate because, of course, CBD is non-psychoactive. But um, it's more strict up here. You don't see a lot of online sales of CBD products. CBD products from the U.S. were initially coming through, but uh, now they're being stopped at the border from the U.S., and uh, they're still very strict about it. You, know, you, you see the odd dispensary with CBD products, but it's sort of uh, in the gray area.
0: What about, uh, are you allowed to grow hemp, hemp itself throughout, throughout the nation? Because here, you know, it's state by state, and it's, it's very, very limited. Yeah,
1: Canada is actually the number two country in the world for hemp seed production. And uh, you are allowed to grow it, but you have to destroy the leaf and you can't use the bud, of course, right? So uh, it's easier, like you can uh, apply to Health Canada for a license to grow hemp outdoors. Uh, You still have to go through a security check and a few other issues, right? But it's relatively easy, especially compared to the U.S., where it's... Uh, technically it's at a federal level, it's still difficult to grow hemp as a hemp farmer.
0: So, so, and now, you know, for, for those of us that are unfamiliar, uh, can you sort of explain Canada's medical cannabis system as it exists right now?
1: Currently it's, it's now called the ACMPR, which is the access to cannabis for medical purposes, regulations. And it allows Applicants, once they're approved, to actually grow cannabis under strict regulatory conditions. So you have to provide security and have like security on your site. You have to have a vault. All your personnel that uh, touch the final product have to have high-level security clearance. And then you're allowed to actually sell online to consumers that have a medical document. So uh, they have to have a physician or a healthcare, like a nurse practitioner, sign a document that lays out the, the indication and the amount of product they can use on a daily basis. And then licensed producers, once they accept this medical document, which I guess you could call a prescription, although it's not technically called that, then they can actually ship dried cannabis or cannabis oil directly to your house um, and I think uh, that's probably the only way actually that it's, it's available for sale right now or through it. A- so
0: so is, is that why you, know, you see police raiding dispensaries because they're technically not legal?
1: Yes, because the source of the material in a lot of these dispensaries is questionable. Like a lot of them are being uh, supplied by people that you know had a, a prescription or a, an agreement under the old program that allowed them to grow cannabis for their own personal use technically you're not allowed to sell it, right? So, you know, there's sort of this gray area there where we have all these old licenses under the old medicinal cannabis program in Canada that people are growing product and then they're technically selling it to the dispensaries and then the dispensaries are selling it to consumers and it, it's all outside of the the current license producer program, which technically makes it illegal. But, you know, we're in this state of flux now We're you know, you have this old program, and then you have the new program, and then you have recreational legalization coming around the corner in July, right? So for that reason, I think uh, law enforcement is really, you know, they're not cracking down on a lot of the dispensaries, although they have shut some of them down. But they're not being overly onerous and charging people. They're just simply, you know, the the bad ones are are out of business at this point in time, I guess.
0: So before we get into some of these details of, uh, you know, the forthcoming legalization effort, um, is there, what's sort of the opinion of you current operators? You know, how how will this regime, how might it affect the current medical cannabis system?
1: Well, it's a good question because, you know, the federal government now has basically said that licensed producers under this new regime will be the suppliers of both markets so as a licensed producer you'll be able to grow and sell product in the medicinal space or in the recreational space and they've also applied the same level of taxation to both products right so you've seen in the u.s you know some states had you know both programs running at the same time then they would tax medicinal at a lower rate and then of course you know all the rec users ended up going to the medicinal space and then the whole thing kind of, you know, didn't work very well. So Canada, you know, in some respect they've gone around and they've learned from the, from America and, and I guess, uh, you know, in Holland and stuff. And they've come back to Canada with a, a system that they think will work better. Right. So they are basically treating medicinal and recreational Uh, The same from what we can tell. There's still some rules that have to come out, but that's what it appears is going to happen.
0: I want to get into some of the details of of what has been announced, but before we do that, we got to take a break. This is the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. I'm TG Brandfold.
2: If you are looking for a job in the rapidly growing and highly competitive cannabis industry, Gontrepreneur.com is the place to look. Visit the Gondrepreneur Job Board today to browse current openings with cannabis companies throughout the United States, from entry-level bud tender positions to executive-level career opportunities. You can also create a profile and upload your resume to be discovered by cannabis recruiters. Visit our job board at jobs.gondrepreneur.com to create your profile today. If you are a business owner, you can post your job openings for as little as $25 on our job board to reach the largest and most engaged audience of cannabis professionals on the web. Companies who are listed in the Gondrepreneur Business Directory are eligible for free job listings. If you are already signed up, contact us today via the website or send us an email at grow at gondrepreneur.com to activate your unique coupon.
0: Hey, welcome back to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast. I'm your host, T.G. Brandfold, here with Darcy Bomford, CEO of True Leaf Medicine International. Uh, so before the break, we were talking about you know how the uh Pending legalization uh, could affect the medical cannabis industry uh, in Canada. Um, so some of the rules have already been released. Um, you know, so I, I sort of want to start with uh, the price point that the government has set. Uh, they're they're talking about what would be seven dollars Canadian, ten dollars a gram American. Um, how does having this, you know, potential cap on prices? impact it for impacts the legalization from an operation standpoint from from a business uh, standpoint yeah you know they've they've been talking about capping and i think that was one or two provinces were talking
1: about that i I hope it doesn't happen and you know some of these announcements have come out and then as they get feedback from people in the province they've changed them so i hope that's the case now because ideally the market should decide the price you know they have talked uh, specifically about the level of taxation. Some people may be confusing both as the same, but it's a dollar a gram and or ten percent, right? So whatever is higher. So, for example, if all the feds have said, you know, if it ends up being fifteen dollars a gram retail, well, they're going to take you know a buck fifty a gram as a tax, or a minimum of of a dollar, right? So. I don't think they're going to actually cap the retail price. And from the producer's point of view, it's good, obviously, because you have to be able to produce the product and distribute it efficiently.
0: So well, at that price point, you know, in, in if, if that were the price point in U.S. states, for example, I, I can tell you that it would have an impact on the black market. That's roughly half of what uh, the illicit market prices are. Um, you know, especially on the East Coast where I've spent most of my time. Um, w- do you think that, you know, that price point, w- will it help stem the illicit market in Canada?
1: Uh, yeah, I think our prices are, are, they must be less than yours because $10 a gram, I think even on the black market side is fairly high. So I, I don't, yeah, I don't think it'll hurt because, uh, yeah, you know, cost to produce, we're, we're projecting somewhere around, you know, $2 a gram, which is high, you know, we're because we really have to be focused on on quality control and security. So our costs to produce are higher and we don't have a huge footprint. The black market, you know, we've heard the indications of somewhere around a buck a gram or less for a quality grow operation. So even at $10, there's still good room there for margin. The retailer will take half, right? And then the distribution cost to get it to the retailer. So even at four bucks, if we ended up four dollars to the to the manufacturer, that's still a fifty percent margin, which is which is pretty
0: good. Okay, um, so so the, the, much like in the states, there's there's you know the the federal rules, which you know cannabis is federally illegal. We don't have a medical program. Uh, there's also the state rules, you know, which is why we have legalization in Colorado and Massachusetts and, and so on and so forth. Um, what, you know, so you guys also have some proposed federal rules and also provincial rules. Uh, we've gotten, you know, we've gotten some here and there. We don't have all uh, 13 yet. But what are sort of the ramifications of allowing the provinces to create their own regulations? It, from an operator standpoint, is that sort of a good or a bad decision? Yeah, good question. I mean, it's
1: a little different in Canada, you know. It, If you could imagine Trump saying to all the states, look, we're going to allow recreational nationwide, whether you like it or not. So it's up to every state to decide how they want to distribute it. That's basically what our prime minister is saying to the provinces. So he's saying, look, we're going to allow the national sale of recreational cannabis. And by the way, that also means online sales. Or, yeah, and or each province has to decide on their own how they're going to distribute and and provide their own tax structure, right? So from from our point of view as a producer, we're going to be focused on building a brand online. So the minute that recreational comes around, we'll be able to sell nationwide online. So there's no restrictions there. However, at the provincial level, you're right. Every province is unfortunately sort of, you know, customizing their, their regulations. BC is sort of like California, you know, sort of the bellwether province. A lot of trends start here. People are more relaxed, laid back. It's the West coast lifestyle. There's a, a ton of dispensaries in BC already. I think there's 12 in my little town of, you know, 40,000 people. And they, they allow them? Well, they're still under this sort of gray area, you know, technically okay. they are illegal, but I think what's going to happen is our province, they're going to allow a private and public model. So they'll, The distribution of cannabis will most likely be uh, controlled by the liquor board, and the liquor board will then sell product to either their own government-run stores or to dispensaries or private model, right? So we'll have probably a combination of both the hybrid model. Ontario, unfortunately, has chosen to just do government-run cannabis dispensaries, which is crazy. I think they're talking about only 150 for the entire province, right? So... We'll see what happens. It's you know, it's a brand new industry, first in the world really to do this. So there's a bit of a learning curve, but I'm confident that Canadians will be able to figure it out.
0: So you, if you were to sell online, for example, you said that you were at, you know, maybe a $2 uh, grand price point and you're able to sell online, that's going to right, you're not going to have to distribute it. You're not going to have to send it to a, a you know, liquor run distributor and then put it out there, you'll be able to sell directly to consumers that way. Exactly,
1: exactly. And that was you know, a key point of uh, Prime Minister Trudeau's strategy is you know, he's not going to hamper the industry even if the provinces uh, technically don't get their act together. So we'll be able to sell online immediately as soon as recreational comes around. And under the current program, under the medicinal program, that's primarily how it's distributed, right, directly to the patient.
0: That's, that's really interesting. Um, you know, because that's gotta be be sort of exciting because you cut out, you know, three middlemen
1: exactly. with one swoop. Yeah, exactly. That's where the most margin is. And you know what? The whole world is going online, right? Even in the pet industry, I mean, I've been saying this for years. The pet industry is in a in a, a pivotal moment of change right now because the consumer is going online, and they're buying their pet products and getting them delivered directly to their house. And it's the same with other industries, and for sure. You know, cannabis is going to be a big one because it's, it doesn't weigh a lot, but it's very expensive, right? So it's perfect for the online model. And the guys that are killing it in the industry right now have a, a good online brand, a website, and, you know, they have influencers that follow the brand and talk about it and believe in it. They have a quality product, and that's where we're heading with Leaf.
0: So I, I want to talk to you a bit more about sort of the regulations and uh, how... You've, you've sort of taken this experience in an entirely different industry and, and applied it to cannabis. But before we get into that, we've got to take our last break. It's Gontrepreneur.com con- podcast. I'm T.G. Brandfall.
2: At Gontrepreneur, we have heard from dozens of cannabis business owners who have encountered the issue of cannabis bias which is when a mainstream business, whether a landlord, bank, or some other provider of vital business services, refuses to do business with them simply because of their association with cannabis. We have even heard stories of businesses being unable to provide health and life insurance for their employees because the insurance providers were too afraid to work with them. We believe that this fear is totally unreasonable and that cannabis business owners deserve access to the same services and resources that other businesses are afforded, that they should be able to hire consultation to help them follow the letter of the law in their business endeavors, and that they should be able to provide employee benefits without needing to compromise on the quality of coverage they can offer. This is why we created the Gondrepreneur.com business service directory, a resource for cannabis professionals to find and connect with service providers who are cannabis friendly and who are actively seeking cannabis industry clients. If you are considering hiring a business consultant, lawyer, accountant, web designer, or any other ancillary service for your business, go to gontrepreneur.com businesses to browse hundreds of agencies, firms, and organizations who support cannabis legalization and who want to help you grow your business. With so many options to choose from in each service category, you will be able to browse company profiles and do research on multiple companies in advance so you can find the provider who is the best fit for your particular need. Our business service directory is intended to be a useful and well-maintained resource, which is why we individually vet each listing that is submitted. If you are a business service provider who wants to work with cannabis clients, you may be a good fit for our service directory. Go to gondrepreneur.com businesses to create your profile and start connecting with cannabis entrepreneurs today.
0: Welcome back to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. I'm your host, T.G. brandfall here with Darcy Bomford, CEO of True Leaf Medicine International in Canada. Um, so before the break, you had mentioned uh, the decision for some provinces to begin use to use liquor, liquor, liquor boards uh, to control the supply, You know, and, and some provinces are going to allow s- private retailers. You mentioned British Columbia. Um, I think... There was another one that I can't think of who it was off the top of my head, um, but the majority that I had seen what was they were going to do a state-owned uh, retailers of cannabis. What's your opinion on these two models, right? I know earlier you said the free market should sort of run this thing, um, you know. So, so you know, just kind of, kind of. You know, what's your opinion on, on on these on these two models? Well, I think the most
1: important thing is that the, the supply <laughs> to these two models should be a, a quality standardized supplier, meaning licensed producers. You know, because Canada's system that the one that we're going through is it's unbelievable how strict it is. The quality control is absolutely key, and you know the most important thing is that we have to test for pesticides before the product shipped we have to test for cbd for thc mold e coli salmonella moisture so because of these requirements it ensures that the absolute highest quality product goes into the market right so that's the first part So, whoever's selling the product should have to buy it from uh, you know a supplier that has to go through these strict quality control measures the second part is, you know, liquor and marijuana probably shouldn't be mixed. So selling both in the same store, I think, is a big mistake because you're really sending the wrong message to, to you know, people that are drinking. So if the government, you know, feels they can do a better job at retailing it, well, you know, I guess that's their prerogative. But I, I still think, you know, the government should provide some overarching regulatory control on the supply and the retail of it, while I think the private model is probably makes more sense. Whether that being dispensaries or you know, what we're focused on really is the naturopathic doctor clinics. We're focused on marketing a product to them so they could provide a, a natural alternatives to some of the you know harsher NSAIDs or pharmaceutical drugs that people are taking. That that's our focus.
0: So there's been some. Uh, some stuff that I've read: some some conservative uh, lawmakers in Canada are seeking to push back the legalization. You know, claiming that they need more time to debate the bill. Um, do you think that this is something that is that could happen? Do conservatives have enough stroke in Canada to be able to derail this legislation?
1: Uh, I don't think. So I don't I think it'd be crazy to do that because clearly the Canadian population is in support of legalization. And uh, you know, I don't think they can actually block it at the Senate level. So I doubt that's gonna happen. You know, they're talking about it now, but I think it would be suicide on their part.
0: Interesting. Um and then and then briefly I just wanna just wanna back up way, way back a little bit. Um, you know, how did you sort of leverage your experience in the pet industry into this into the cannabis market because there's so I mean you you don't think all right you know it's just not something you sort of put together right so how'd you leverage that experience man
1: well you know I'm an entrepreneur and what I've learned with my career is well first of all you never give up that's what it's all about Right. And second of all, you have to get the right people on the bus. Right. And, you know, I may not be a, a cannabis expert, but, you know, if I can find people that believe in the vision and can share it and, uh, you know, that's totally key to creating something that has value. And, you know, our, our values are, are unique in the fact that what we brought to the company is it sort of relates to pets to our, our tagline for the company is return to love. So on the pet side, it's all about you know, returning the love that you get from your pet. And I don't know if you have a dog or not, but I mean, that is the, the, the best thing about having a dog is like the unconditional love that you get from them every second, right? And that's our tagline for the pet side of the business. And you know what? On the medicinal side, it's the same thing. It's returning the love to yourself for quality of life. Right? We need to treat ourselves better, natural products instead of pharmaceuticals, treat mankind better. So it's an overarching bigger message that we're really trying to get across. you know it's it's a long-term vision about unconditional love and returning the favor, you know the golden rule, right? So we're pretty excited about what we're doing, and I'm confident that we can bring some or we are actually bringing some unbelievable talent to our company. We're creating a brand that really is going to resonate with uh, with our target market. so we're we're pretty excited.
0: That's that's a really cool mission, man. I, I I I admire your your sort of passion for helping others. Uh, but but you know what they say about Canadians, right? That you're all super nice. I noticed didn't say a during our interview. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was hoping. I w- I've been waiting here the whole time. I've been trained, just just been waiting.
1: training myself for years. <laughs>
0: Um, So before we go, man, uh, what what advice would you have for entrepreneurs, maybe those not even just looking to enter the cannabis space, but, you know, just entrepreneurs in general?
1: Yeah, you know what, I I never give up and really believe in your passion. And, and, uh, you know, probably more importantly is you got to ask yourself why you're doing it, you know, and why are people buying your products? You know, they're not buying what it is. They're buying your products because they want to believe in your passion. They want to share your passion and what you're doing. And unless you can really communicate that with everything you do, your product's probably not going to work. It's not going to resonate. You know, if it's all about money or selling the cheapest or, you know, doing something one better than competition, you're just another me too company, right? But if you can really create a reason why people should buy your products, you know what, I buy this, I buy... Apple because it's cool. You know, I buy this because man, the the person behind it, yeah, that person's a, a cool person. I believe in his values and what he's standing for. It's not about money. It's more about passion and belief. And you gotta believe in yourself. Never give up. That's the that's the biggest.
0: So and then where where can people find out more about you, man? Where can people learn about more about your passion?
1: Trueleaf.com. Yeah, it's all there. You uh, know. Truly, pets are a different division, but you can find it all there. And you know, another thing we're doing right now that's really cool is we're the first company from Canada to to do crowdfunding, equity crowdfunding in the U.S. We've been working on this for eleven months, and we're now able to sell equity in our company to the same people that are buying our pet products. You can buy as little as uh, three hundred fifty dollars Canadian, really eh? <laughs> worth the equity in our company, right? And so. And we talked about online, right? The capital markets are going online too. And this is the beginning of it. This Regulation A-plus crowdfunding allows anybody to click on a website and buy equity. You don't have to go through a broker. You don't have to talk to anybody else. You just have to believe in the brand, and you can own a piece of a company. right? So pretty cool. We're just doing that now. We're hoping to close next week on $10 bucks. That's our goal, and that's going to allow us to continue our vision on, on both the of cannabis for
0: people and pets. Awesome, man! Congratulations. Uh, we'll we'll definitely have to check back with you, uh, you know, in, in in a week and and see how yeah. that panned oh, out. Oh, Sure,
1: yeah, we're gonna hopefully close it soon. Well, you might, you know, be halfway there before Christmas, and we'll finish it off in January. But the response to our whole crowdfunding thing has been unbelievable, and we're just so blown away by it. And it really shows that people love pets and they believe in cannabis. You know, it's here to stay. That's the big message for everybody, all the regulators out there. It's here to stay. People believe in it. It's not going away. So, you know, it's pretty exciting times we're in right now.
0: If, if you're in Canada and in the US, we're all about to get shut down by Jeff Sessions, every single one. You know, hopefully, uh, uh, we'll, you
1: know what, Tim? It's going to work out. I have
0: confidence. You'll <laughs> we'll see the value there eventually. Oh, you friendly Canadians. Uh, <laughs> Well, um, so, so I, dude, I want to thank you for, for taking the time, coming on the show. a uh, super cool guy. Uh, I'm, I'm going to probably check out this, this equity uh, website as soon as we hang up here. Um, but, you know, definitely keep me in the loop on what you guys are doing. It's, it's really cool. And thanks again for being Absolutely on the my show. My pleasure, Tim. Thank you very much. Take care. <laughs> You can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur.com podcast in the podcast section of Gontrepreneur.com and the Apple iTunes store. On the Gontrepreneur.com website, you will find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated daily, along with transcripts of this podcast. You can also download the Gontrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. This episode was engineered by Trim Media House. I've been your host, T.G. Brandfault.